Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to the Truth to Power show on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Vijar Nathan. And with us today is co-host uh, Jessica Hines. Hello, hello. Hello, welcome, welcome. Uh, so our guest today is Anna May. Anna has been musically enhancing lives in Connecticut and elsewhere since 2011 with a teaching style that honors creative flexibility and personal musical freedom, as well as the importance of technique and cultural awareness. Uh, welcome, Anna. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you, thank you. <clears throat> so why don't we start the conversation off with the music and uh, tell us a little bit about how you uh, started music and how you started the music uh, path and a little bit of your themes and such. And, and we'll listen to a song a little later, but yeah. Cool, yeah. Um, so how did I get started? That's always a... Oh, cool, yeah. There we go. Um, yeah, I've been playing forever. Um, my family's really musical, so we always had music parties and just a lot of like instruments around. And I actually haven't played guitar for very long, probably only three or four years, but I've been playing piano since I was six. Nice. nice. Yeah. So what are some of the themes or what are some of the artistic concerns or things that you recurring? Um, yeah. It's funny. Usually it's a lot about myself. Yeah. <laughs> and, um. I think as musicians, we always have that kind of narcissist label and it's like a journey getting away from that. And, um, but lately, yeah, trying to focus outward a little bit more. Um, I tend to go inward and just rely on personal experience and spiritual stuff, which I think is cool, but that's the fun thing about music. It can be like all over the map. Yeah. And tell us, I know you have a very interesting story with the education, your education and how you uh, grew up and all this kind of stuff. So tell us a little bit about kind of how your views on education and how it played into your uh, um, your grow up growing, growing up. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so I started, you know, I went to public school and was bullied a lot. So I just, you know, hated going to school every day. And um, I guess around middle school was when I said to my parents, like, I just can't do this anymore. Can I try homeschooling or unschooling? And um, they were really receptive, a lot of not receptive people kind of around us. And um, yeah, we tried it. So it was like a very independent education. My parents are teachers. My dad teaches at a college and my mom teaches in a middle school. So, you know, there's always guidance around and um, it was cool. It was a cool path. I have, um, you know, mixed feelings sometimes when I, I think entering like the work world was a tough transition, um, but it worked out. And I think I have a lot of valuable stuff from kind of the untraditional path. Um, mm -hmm. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I, I guess you traveled a lot during the schooling time or what was, yeah, what was some place yeah, yeah. you visited and what was some place you used to learn that? Yeah. Yeah. I went to, um, did a lot of road trips, like solo road trips, California, Colorado was cool. Um, I met a group of unschoolers there and lived with them for a while. And let's see what else. Argentina was super fun. I went there not knowing Spanish and kind of learned as I went. And um, yeah, more recently, let's see. Mostly, you know, in the United States and that kind of inspired a lot of my music. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. So, um, and also about, we were asking a question about like uh, philosophies that influenced you or um, that you feel yourself most in dialogue with. Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was some of the philosophies that most influenced you? Yeah. 
I think I said, um, I think I had a good answer to that. It yeah. was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I believe in freedom and sometimes I'm a nihilist and sometimes I'm a hedonist and, um, yeah, philosophies, um, just kind of, I think getting away from the stuck feeling that I, I sense in a lot of modern society, um, you know, it's kind, we're kind of conditioned and programmed to be stuck and to be fixated. And, um, you know, the more we can get away from that, whether it be really subtle or really radical is, is just valuable and you know, protects our, our inner freedom. So I have a question. Um, so for, with music, which is something that I, I mean, of course, most people love and enjoy music. I mean, not several of my sisters because I come from a interesting family. Um, but I personally love music and, you know, as someone who dabbles with songwriting in a very amateurish and, you know, a hobbyish way, (laughs) um, I'm always interested in for people who really understand the art form and have a mastery of it, what you feel music's role in our society. And if you feel that there is a, any sort of social or moral obligation that music has or that musicians have? Yeah, that's a cool question. Um, I also feel like I'm a dabbler and I never feel like I'm a professional at anything, but um, yeah, I think I was actually thinking about this on the way in. Um, Especially now, you know, I think everyone feels kind of a, a sense of unease, you know, politically and, um, you know, just in society in general. And it is our, our role as the, the poets and, um, the people who have maybe a little bit more time to think and study ourselves, um, to give a voice to all that's happening and, you know, whether it be outside of ourselves or, or inside of ourselves. And, um, yeah, I think it's a really important role and, Sometimes I don't um, take it as seriously as I as I want to or think that I should be, but yeah, it's always you know been so critically important that we have music. It's kind of the the lifeblood that reflects all that happens and dreams and reality and yeah, it's it's awesome. So I think that kind of answers it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that some of the, some of the books you listed as being influential. Um, Thoreau and such, and, and Emerson. Uh, what were some of the ways in which, I guess, connecting with nature would be the theme there? Or Definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a big, um, yeah, deto- like detoxing, I say, <laughs> from school, yeah. from public school. Yeah. Um, you know, reading a lot of those writers and um, experiencing, you know, I live in Connecticut, and it was even funny coming into New York. I feel I have such mixed feelings about New York. I love it once I get here, but there's, you know, so much up and down and, I lived in New Orleans for a while and, you know, it's the same thing. It's like you're, mm-hmm. it's yeah. like a, it feeds a manic depressive <laughs> kind of like mentality I feel. And, yeah. um, but it's, it's cool. And I think it's important for us to like throw ourselves into those environments. Um, but nature is so important and I don't yeah. know how you guys do it. I, I guess there's parks, but there are uh-huh. parks, but there's uh-huh. also every New Yorker I know is just like, like we love it. I love it. I, yeah. you know, I hope to have an apartment here forever. Uh, I also hope to have my cabin in the woods that yeah. I can run right. away to because <laughs> uh-huh. I, you know, uh, the the great things about New York is like leaving it because you're just like, oh, I have to get out. I need nature. I need space. 
and and then feeling that like pull back to New right. York that mm. it has on you. And I think really, really great cities, you know, and really, really great places of nature have that where I think our ability to appreciate something truly comes from the fact that there is a limit to that thing. I think that, you know, I love the mountains and I love trees. I grew up hunting in the woods in California and but I know if I lived there full time and I couldn't leave that I would not have the same appreciation for it. And so uh, I totally know what you mean. Uh, but it's. Um, yeah, because like if I didn't have my park right next to my house, I think I might have to live a little bit further out in in New York City. Yeah. 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 And then you say, um, you know, that lifestyle elements influencing the art we make. How does how did you think you're, you're in dialogue with? the city nature kind of thing or, or or do you feel like kind of comes into the tension between that you're describing between kind of living in a city environment or, and, and kind of wanting a return to nature? How do you think you, that? Yeah. 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 And then in terms, I mean, creatively, I love, I have a great park near my house where I can walk mm. all the time and yeah, yeah it's really <clears throat> nice, but you know, culturally there's not a ton there and I always feel just kind of that, you know, I, I miss New Orleans. I miss all the kind of city environments that I've been to. And, um, yeah, it's definitely a balance and finding the right one is always really difficult. And I think I, I still struggle with it. Like, do I want to be a city person? Do I, I think it's, um, it's a little too fast paced for the kind of reflection time that I feel songwriting really needs. Mm. Um, where I am right now is, is beautiful for that, but there's not a lot of input. There's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's nice. And a lot of writers have actually lived, they live, um, kind of near Waterford and new London and Connecticut and Eugene O'Neill lived there, wrote a lot of his great works there. Yeah. So people have gone there, um, as kind of a retreat, but yeah. Well, I find it interesting how different people, and I think it kind of depends a little bit on your upbringing and, and your personality with, do you, like, do you need silence to create or do you need noise? Because I find as a, as a writer, I can't, I struggle to write when I'm at home and it's very quiet, right? I'm someone where I like having chaos and noise around me and it allows me to find a private space and a public space, meaning that like there's so much noise around me and no one's paying attention to me, but there's tons of stimuli because I find that that triggers my unconscious and that is that external external inspiration that causes an internal motivation that allows me to create. Mm. But I know that there are a lot of other people where they're just like, no, 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 I need white. I need no, no stimuli. And, and so I'm, I'm just interested in, I don't know if I've, I have nothing educated to say about this other than I find it very interesting how some people seem to thrive in the quiet and the simplicity and other people. It's so much like that, like needing that energy from an outside source. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I think creativity is weird and, and unpredictable. And yeah, depending on who you are, it's just a, a different process. I do, I notice that I do songs come out of like times that I'm in a city because it's true. You have a lot to bounce off of mm -hmm. and things are just there um, kind of waiting for you to write about. And, you know, so much of like Paul Simon's music is so city based and I love that. And um but I, I definitely do have times where I need complete silence and uh, usually songs come quick for me. It's like a couple minutes and, um, you know, it's like something I have to get out of me and, and then it's there. But um, 
Yeah, it depends on the day, depends on all kinds of things, but yeah. And in what way do you feel like, uh, do you feel like the process of songwriting or creating music is like a process of healing or, and how, in what way does self care and, and kind of healing come into that? Or in what way does that play into your, your themes and such? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, big for healing. I think the, I just, um, recorded like a short series of songs and that was like a total healing process, just going to play them. And I think, um, you know, after recording them, I walked out feeling kind of like, all right, it's, I feel cleansed and um, all of the stuff that kind of was creating all these blockages for me is, is gone. And um, so, yeah, I think it can really uh, speak to our traumas and I think it is a healing process, yeah, yeah for yeah. listeners I, and creators. I do find like after you've kind of wrestled with an issue or, or something that's been bothering you, but then you're able to see it with new lights as like the the listener or as the reader or whatever it is, as the consumer. And then you're able to see kind of like a put in perspective and create that process for others to be able to navigate through these difficult emotional landscapes. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, just, it's so, it's so interesting <laughs> that we have you on the podcast today because yeah. I don't think we've had a musician before and yeah, it's and been a while. It's been a little bit of time. Literally yeah. two nights ago, yeah. I picked up my guitar for the first time and probably a year because building my company, I sort of, my hobbies got put to the side and I don't know why I just like picked up and, and I started to write this song about my ex and it was, and the thing I love about songwriting for me and, and a lot of my other writing too, but is that there's always this point where I write or I'm playing and a lyric like falls out of my mouth and I have to stop because I'm like, Oh, that's what's been going on Uh with me. And, and I realized like I was struggling so much between understanding, like, having someone that you find is a muse someone that's very inspirate someone who like helps art come out of you but that person may not be an appropriate romantic partner and i guess in my head i was missing those things and i was like and i was like but i want to write about her all day Mm. and in the other head is like but this is not a good person for you to be you know and so so discovering the difference between like a muse and a partner for me and i was like oh my god like my unconscious my body knew this but my conscious mind hadn't and so I feel like for me, songwriting is just my unconscious mind, like bitch slapping my conscious mind, being like, realize this, <laughs> you know, and it's, yeah. you know, I'm just so grateful for it that I, I, I think everyone should t- attempt to songwrite, not necessarily to be good or to make an album or to make money, but just because, especially if you, if you're a heady person sometimes and you feel like your mind races around, if you all you need is four chords because I only know like yeah. seven and I cannot do bar chords. My, mm. Me neither. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was, so I just have like these four chords. I've written probably 12 different songs within, you know, the past few years. And it's just amazing, though, that when your body kind of takes over, it quiets that that very anxious part of your mind. And even when I'm writing in my screenplays or my plays, if I get too caught in my head and I feel like I need to connect back to my body and my emotions, I'll pick up my guitar and just play a little bit. And it really, really does help me get back to that place where I'm, I'm writing from creativity rather than writing for, from analysis and thought. Cause that is a problem with a lot of screenwriters is they get caught up in logic and reason and sense. And I'm like, no, 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 the art comes from the illogical, the emotion, the, Mm. you know, the unconscious. And so, I mean, I'm also fascinated that 
if you don't play bar chords because I, I there's this mist and myth in my mind where I'm like, oh, I could never be a real songwriter because yeah. you know I just mess around with these few chords. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've tried. I don't. I guess I can play a couple. I just don't like it. I don't know. I like my my basic <laughs> chords and yeah. I've always like focused more on on the lyrics. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, letting it be an emotional outlet rather than any kind of like technical uh, mastery. Guitar just feels easy and emotional to me and uh different from piano for for whatever reason so yeah so why don't we start winding towards uh um listening to a song oh, cool. and then we okay. can uh talk a little bit more as you're as you're getting your uh guitar on and such um so uh yeah so speaking of music um have you gone to any uh, not live too shows? much but uh i am doing a reading for the listeners I'm doing reading of poetry on uh, this Wednesday, July 10th uh, at 7.30 p.m. in Vintage um, in Astoria, Queens. So I'll be reading from uh, uh, previous work, some work that I published, uh, Escape from Samsara and uh, uh, Celebrity Sadhana or How to Meditate with a Hammer. So people should come listen. I'll be at 15 minutes I'll be reading. So definitely come out uh, to Astoria, uh, Vintage uh, Place, the Vintage Restaurant or a bar or something or a coffee shop. I don't remember what exactly it is, but anyway, uh, definitely come out. Yeah. And, um, like, uh, summer's always a good time for me. Yeah. <clears throat> so why don't you just take a moment just to set up the song when you get a moment and then, and you could, or you can just talk, talk after it or, yeah. This is fun. I never get to talk about my songs. Yeah. I like playing them. Um, yeah. So the, the last group of songs that I wrote was very much about loss and um, kind of losing a group of people that I felt um, really inseparable from and kind of at a loss without them. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of writing the songs helped me work through that and just deal with the, the difficult aftermath. And, um, yeah, you know, it never, it doesn't heal everything but it, it definitely helps and you kind of have these songs to just like rely on and yeah. they're there and they're alive for you so this is called flimsy diatribe and this is the name of my new cd To fill me but the well 
is empty somehow. Where are we right now? Where have we And maybe you have suffered less, and maybe you have suffered more. Maybe you were protecting me by closing your So take me away, take me to that sunny day. So um, yeah, yeah. So great. Tell us a little bit, a little bit more about the process of writing and yeah. and some of the influences that um, musical influences that kind of come into play. Yeah, I mean the writing process is cool. I think um, I went through like a major, like a period of months, and I think you know you're talking about like the muse aspect. It's tough if you don't have um, like a direct, like if you go through a period where you you don't have someone that you can easily write about, and that's been kind of happening and I'm like what do I do you know do I write about politics or the world do I like how do I so um yeah it was like a period of a couple months where I just like didn't have anything I didn't have any songs and I uh, felt really just out of place and out of my character and uh, didn't know what to do but I did um write a new song a couple nights ago so it's funny like that like it just mm. 
you know, it comes together usually pretty easily, but it's like those periods in between where you, you don't have anything. And um, I've been fortunate that I haven't had too many times like that, but when you do, it's kind of unsettling. And then you're just really grateful when um, your experiences align to create something that works. And yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to remember that, you know, it's, it's, those that those times in between are always temporary. Mm. I interact with a lot of artists who get very scared that like I've lost it forever. Like I'll never get it back. And it, it feels like like a you know like a child when you play peekaboo and yeah. they had their that part of their brain hasn't developed yet that can recognize that just because I don't see something doesn't mean it no longer exists. And I find that artists this like happens so often. It's like people come to be like maybe I'm just not meant to be a writer. Maybe I'll never write anything. And then the next day something happens. They're like, I wrote. And I'm, yeah. and I'm like, it's, it's a natural cycle really. And all the, the work that I've studied of like, there is an incubation period. There is like, there's a, there's time that, you know, it's almost like building muscles, like writing is tearing it apart. And then that time where it gives you a little bit of space, is it building back up stronger and I like to kind of work with the natural rhythms of my body where I always have a writing habit going. You know, it doesn't mean I'm working on a project. It might just be journaling or my meditative writing. Um, but so I keep that going regularly, but I try not to like force anything out. Okay. I feel like it, with music and poetry, I will never. It's just like I'm going along my day and then once suddenly a poem just knocks on my door and is like, hey, I'm ready to come out now. Mm. And, you know, and that works for me as someone who's not, you know, career wise focused on on that. But I always find it interesting how, you know, some songs I've really worked on for like years and it feels like I feel like Leonard Cohen on Hallelujah, where he worked on that for mm -hmm. like, yeah. I think, like decades or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then other days I sit down and it's very Bob Dylan, just like, oh, five minutes and there we go. You know, it's just kind of plopped out of me. Yeah. yeah. So you have uh, on your bio about um some of the, some of the genres as far as genre goes or something, uh, all tragedy Americana snapshots, artistic invocations for peace and judgment bending and bleeding hearts, stream of consciousness poems. That's a mouthful. Yeah, it's, yeah. that's a lot, but it seems like <laughs> a lot. To, but yeah, it's very interesting. Like how uh, tell us a little bit about kind of or dismantle a little bit of this to kind of say how uh, how does that does that do you find that restrictive or do you find that liberating or how do you find like working within or, or kind of as far as like, you know, kind of building yourself as a specific tradition. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like genre wise. Like yeah. Genre wise or like, yeah, uh, yeah. do you find that like, like you're able to really embody your voice in that or do you feel like that's like, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't want to, I sometimes liked, I, I guess I'm very much a songwriter and I do yeah. toy with the idea of like jumping out of that genre yeah. and, um, yeah, it's always, it's fun. I, I kind of have visions of like singing in a rock band sometimes. Yeah. And people always tell me like, you should, you know, do some Rolling Stones songs. But um, yeah, I mean, I like for the stuff that feels really like intimate and poetic and, you know, to me that's personal, I guess that, you know, fits. And that was just kind of something people are always asking, like, what genre of music do you play? And I'm like, I don't, you know, this is kind of what I do. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of put a collection of words together and <laughs> um, seems to fit. But yeah, kind of like with the theme of a lot of my songs, are, you know, and I talked about the bullying thing and that was like definitely a really big part of my life. And um, so just to kind of create like this 
campaign more or less of song combined with like activism and yeah it works yeah. <laughs> hopefully <laughs> I always, so. I always think genre is such a, an interesting concept because I think in music it's a little bit different because there are certain, I mean, I guess there's always rules, but I always thought that like genre was just like made up by Blockbuster uh, <laughs> as yeah. a way of organizing yeah. videos. Cause like how else do you organize movies other than like how you want to feel at yeah. the moment, right? Yeah. And so I think that you know, like when people ask me what genre I write in and since I write in so many, I'm always just like, um, and I, I'm taking this quote from, I don't even know who originally said it, but I'm just like, well, if you're calm, I'm going to disturb you. And if you're disturbed, <laughs> I'm going to calm you. Yeah. And that's what genre I'm in. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a hard, it's a tough one. Yeah. Definitely. You want to think about, uh, at least like what kind of emotional life it's, it's embodying and what kind of, you know, um, uh, yeah, how you want the audience, to, what, what kind of emotions do you want to provoke in the audience, I guess. Yeah. yeah that's, the, that's the point. Yeah. Well, I think because, like, you know, if you want to, if you want to feel, you know, like laughter, if you want to have a good, you know, then it's comedy. And if you want to feel love, you're going to go to romance. Like, right. to me, music is, like, so based. Like, there are some times where there are musicians I love, but I'm, depending on my mood, I'm like, I cannot listen to that right. artist yeah. right yeah. now. Like, last night, I was like, I need Fiona Apple. Uh-huh. I just need Fiona on the couch with me. And then there are <laughs> other times where I'm like, if someone puts Fiona Apple on, I'm like, no, no. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, my brain, my mind, my heart can't go there right now. And so, so yeah, it's for me, it's very much with my little record player based off of what mood I'm in. Yeah. yeah. And let's go back to the transition from piano to guitar. I think yeah. it's very interesting to think about kind of now when you were playing piano, did you compose uh, songs in pia- with piano or I did. And how did how did that process change when you switched to guitar? Yeah. I felt like my songs on piano were so depressing. And uh, <laughs> it's really uh, like not, yeah. um, I didn't enjoy them. I didn't yeah. really enjoy playing them, but yeah, I played a lot like classical and jazz and stuff. I would play out yeah. and, um, I never played my own songs out. So I felt, um, I don't know why I was so resistant to playing guitar. I just like, didn't, mm. um, <laughs> I was kind of like, Oh, it's so cliche like to play guitar, but, um, it was really like liberating when I started playing and you can do a lot with it. And, you know, it can kind of defy all the like singer songwriter cliches that you have in your mind. But, um, yeah, it was, it worked for me. I don't think I'm ever going to be like a fantastic guitar player, but, um, I like it and it kind of fits my music pretty well. I also feel like it's easier to carry around it compared is. to an upright yeah. or a baby yeah. grand, you know, just <laughs> um, from getting back and forth between New York and Connecticut, perhaps yeah. Amtrak is a little bit more um, appreciating of the guitar case. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. Like my, my mom was a played piano and she taught some piano lessons. And um, so obviously I play none. Uh oh. <laughs> but I remember falling asleep to that. And my stepfather who, who um, lived with us for most of my life, he played like classical guitar. So I didn't learn until, you know, I was like 25. Um, but I think it's so lovely that like you have this like culture of like a musical family. And, you know, even though I did have a musical family, I didn't really get into music, playing music until later. And I'm very interested in like what you feel would be for anyone who's looking into or looking to improve their skills, any advice for just 
you know, daily, like what to work on or how to maybe even just like approaches to music that perhaps are not as well known that, you know, from experience are, or have yeah. been effective for you or other people, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's like a combination of listening a lot, um, and like tuning into music and tuning other stuff out, um, as, you know, that's kind of the, you know, once you're really, it's simple, I think, you know, I was like driving and, you know, all you really have to do is like channel into a particular song or a particular um, person and, you know, kind of feed your own style by listening to theirs and um, thinking, I mean, that's like songwriting, but um, also like playing with other people. And um, I've had my challenges with that. I think, uh, when musicians get to a certain level, they do become like very protective. And I, I've always loved like jam settings and mm -hmm. just, you know, bouncing off of each other. I think that's when people are at their most like open. And that's kind of where I learned, um, you know, most of stuff that came from guitar was just being around it and listening and someone saying, Oh, this is how you do this thing. And this is how you do that. And, um, so yeah, if you have kind of an, an open group of people, which is like, I think it's hard to find, um, probably not so much here, but yeah, it's, it's all kind of like, um, collaborating and listening, I think. And then just like working on little, you know, technical things on your own, um, playing a bunch until you have really awful calluses and <laughs> your fingers hurt, but it's all worth it. Any interaction or advice with, uh, like fear? That's a good question. Um, yeah. With music. Because for me, like I could get up and I could get up naked in front of a crowd of 10 million people and I could improv a, a lecture on the neuroscience of visual storytelling and I'm That's fine. <laughs> but if if but if you put me in a room with karaoke or even if we're singing happy yeah. birthday in a restaurant, my whole body shuts down. Like mm -hmm. I have such an intense phobia of sharing my work with people. And I, I work with my my writer. I have a lot of writers who have that with their their writing and so I can relate to them so much with my music but it is this like very intense thing and so I'd be interested if any thoughts about how to fix Aww. me no <laughs> I think yeah. I think fear is natural especially when you're sharing music um I it's funny like sometimes I'll get on stage and I feel totally confident other times I'm like a nervous wreck I had a my first panic attack that I've ever had in my life was in Portland, Maine. And um, luckily my dad was there and he got on stage and like finished the show for me. I could not do it. I was looking at these people. And I was just like, I felt like I had nothing to say to them. I had mm -hmm. no, like, I was just, and you know, stuff like that happens. I think um, probably doing it a whole bunch and, um, but yeah, music and art, it's so unpredictable. Like you can get up there and, um, I think just getting up there is like exposure. Like, yeah, I mean, it's enough. And even if you do feel really fear stricken, like it's okay. And you know, whoever's watching will, will take something away from it anyway. And, but I think it's a big part of probably cause it's so close to you, you know, I think it's hard. I think the reason why for me it feels, and I think this is with writing too, is that I feel like you find that place where you feel the most vulnerable, where it feels yeah. the most authentic of you sharing who you are. Because in my writing, I get to hide behind my characters and my characters are fractured parts of my identity, but they mm -hmm. can say things and I'm like, you can't put that on me. That's that character's opinion, yeah. right? Yeah. And yes. so, and I don't have to. And, and I can write it and I can share it with people, 
and the quality of the work doesn't waver while they're reading it because it's already done. And then I find that, you know, with me, like, I do feel like if I'm singing and I wrote this song, I'm like, this is me. I'm not hiding behind a character. I'm saying this is me. And I actually think this is good enough to share with someone. And I have to, and performing it in the moment, I'm like, and my, so my voice just starts wavering and I get this snow white vibrato and suddenly I cannot sing in my chest voice and it becomes all head. And, you know, I did a lot of choir and musicals when I was in high school. And I, cause I was like, I just got to expose myself and do it over and over and over again. And it's still, you know, then I got to like college and I was like, I'm just never going to do this again. And I'm just now starting to get back to to doing that. And, and I know that the answer is really just exposure and trusting that like I can sing poorly in front of people and I won't die. And yeah. most people actually will be quite nice because most people are good people and just doing it over and over again. And eventually it will lose the terrifying part of it, mm. hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. Yeah, it's funny. I, I'm always a little terrified when I go on stage to do anything. But it's like um, you do. It's like running. Probably you know you hit your stride. Like if I play a long, maybe like an hour show, I don't feel really confident until like three or four songs in. Um, you know, and I'm so like everyone. I think is so self critical. It's it's mm-hmm. t- it's hard. It's just a hard performance. Yeah. Is really weird, but it's also really necessary. I think and. Um, it seems yeah. like we always have to like keep ourselves in that zone of like learning and growing. So trying to always, and even when we hit a stride of, of a practice, you know, sometimes I always try to pick up another practice to kind of supplement or keep that edge or whatever. So speaking of which, I know um, from your bio it says that you also, um, you know, have some dance experience as well as you're writing a children's book. So tell us a little bit about kind of some other practices that you do then how maybe how it informs your primary practice yeah yeah totally um and those things have kind of been on hold because i um you know i do focus on music but yeah yeah i grew up um dance was a big part i had an awesome dance teacher her name was lana and um she really taught us about free expression and just um kind of like judgment-free dance it was called creative dance she had her own um you know awesome program and we would do recitals it was just you know so different and so I grew up like creating my own dances and I think that really helped. Um, yeah. Once I started playing music, I always, you know, I thank her too. I see the the influence everywhere. It's, um, yeah, and I, do, I wrote a, a children's book, so I've kind of had that in the works for a while. I'm not ready to, to unveil yeah. it, but yeah. that's a whole, like you are saying too, the analytical side. And um, I think I'm just kind of very used to the songwriting and other forms of writing have become kind of foreign to me. Um, even though I really like doing that stuff, it's hard. That stuff's really hard. Like it's really different. I think it's just what you're used to. Cause yeah. like, I mean, I'll sit down, I'll write, you know, a short film script in an hour and, wow. and then edit in an hour and be like, this is ready to go. But yeah. I, I've got about 32 songs that have two verses a chorus and nothing else that are sitting in my unfinished song folder where I'm like, I just can't think of anything else that rhymes with Madeline. Uh, um, not much else. You know, uh, so I think I, but it's, it's great to hear that because I think that sometimes, especially the, the further along we get and the older you get with a practice, you start to get this amnesia of what it was like at the beginning, um, mm-hmm. you know, of what it was like to be like the first couple of scripts that I wrote or the first you know, book that I wrote compared to, 
you know, and, and, and I love, that's why I love music so much is that it allows me to be that beginner again, which helps me when I'm mentoring my writers so much, because if you're mentoring someone, but you can't actually viscerally recall the Mm -hmm. emotional um, states of what it's like to be, you know, not heavily experienced, it becomes much harder to manage them because you're just like, what are you doing? Just finish it. And that doesn't really help anyone. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Requires so much patience and the, yeah. yeah. So you have some interesting questions on your website. Uh, I guess they're rhetorical, but maybe we can explore uh, the thoughts behind the questions. Um, so one of the questions was, um, how do we remain rebelliously creative, innovative and free as we navigate life surprises? So uh, and uh, yeah, we'll start with that one. Yeah. So rebelliously creative, innovative and free as we navigate life surprises yeah it's interesting we're all yeah. figuring out how sorry, to do yeah, that. yeah sorry uh it's not meditative because it's like um you know the surprise is what i think for me at least the the unexpected yeah. is what kind of inspires that uh that need to that like, tension between like what we think is going to happen the expectation or what, what the image in our mind of what we think is is the the next step or the next um you know phase and then when the surprise happens, it's like that tension, that connection between what we thought or what we imagined and what actually is, so to speak. Yeah. You know, it seems like that creates that for me, at least. I don't know. What, what do you think creates for you that creative, innovative uh, attention? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, t- you know, like for any creative person, you have like your cocoon of creativity where you do all your internal stuff and you feel good and then, you know, entering into like the world or the the work world and things, you know, where there's hurdles that make you uncomfortable, kind of, um, yeah. it's out of your control. And I was just listening to a couple of people, you know, online stuff, like our lives are too controlled and too programmed and very hierarchical. And, um, so I, you know, I think it's, it's good that we push out of that controlled mentality for sure and it's important and we have to Mm. um you know just like even today me like dealing with my new york stuff like why you know and um but it's good it's like it's pushing me out of my cocoon um for a little while it's temporary and then i can use what i you know have going into that and and kind of bring it back into the cocoon and Mm. uh so it's yeah for any creative person it's it's tough and it's like just that in and out stuff um that i, th- I think about that a lot <laughs> I ruminate about and yeah so yeah. important i think with the next question that you pose that holding on to how can we hold on to that innate creativity in the midst of oppression uh kind of bringing back or invoking the socio um political with the idea of like and also um how we're kind of keeping in that cocoon how we're able to you know maintain that self-care maintain that Communal care and, and how that truth that we're trying to foster is so important to that. That's the source of our power, you know, it's source right. of our, yeah. of our Maybe empowerment. Yeah. yeah. So, and you were saying about, um, uh, I think I'm another thread about, um, how, uh, this need to like, the, the need to go out and go outward and as well as come inward, you know, and that process is that creative, creative tension or creative, creative sparks come. From where creativity comes from, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a little bit of both, you know. That shows up in in songs, and I, I think stuff that you don't realize is like you don't realize that you're dealing with, 
um, comes out in a song and it's cool. It's like a subconscious uh, thing like, oh, I didn't know that was part of me or I didn't realize I was thinking that. And yeah, and then it's kind of there in your lyrics and you're singing it. Oh, okay. Like I am connected with that. And um, yeah, songwriting is really cool. It kind of connects you with everything and connects you with yourself at the same time. It feels like. I feel like it's um, the creative process for me always felt like was a bit of like a call and response from the external and the internal world of, you know, I'll like if I'm ever, I always know that for me, it's like all I have to do is get create, I get curious and I know I'm going to be stimulated by something. And so if I get curious about this room and it's just like, I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, Brooklyn summer ale. And then my unconscious is, is responding to that. It's, it's putting up every memory I have of Brooklyn ale and now beaches Mm. and then reminding me of Reese park, which is going to be on Friday, you know? And I'm just like, if you get curious and and you get really mindful, which is a part of the meditation practice, everything you look at, like even that poster is green. And now suddenly associations with green Mm. are like popping up in the unconscious mind. And And I think that the conscious mind's job in creativity is to be the gatherer between the call and response of the external and the internal world. Like, yeah. I think if you find that space in between and you find that balance and you just get really quiet and pay attention to it, then like you can create at any moment. It's not that yeah. what you're going to create is good. The quality mm-hmm. or the use of it right. is, so you have the awareness, but, but yeah. just, yeah, yeah awareness, just having yeah. that awareness. And so if anyone is, stuck at the moment or anything i would highly recommend just practicing that curiosity and be like can you actually pay attention to oh there's a wolf on that cup and oh yeah once i had a wolf tattoo that was temporary Mm. and oh that's when i worked at that horrible place and oh aren't i so glad that it's gone and you know using that being like the 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 material that you can mine to then create a piece of art from and it's happening 24 hours a day in our minds. And so I feel like we always do have access to it. It's just that we're not listening. We're just trying to control too much rather than surrender and be present with that call and response. Yeah. I think also I've been mentioned a few times on the previous episodes about how in the outer world really is in some ways, um, in many ways or in a fundamental way, kind of reflection of the inner world, you know, inner world is a reflection. The outer world is very much in dialogue. And, you know, we think when we go outwards, actually we're going deeper inwards and what we're able to understand our process about ourselves and our psychology and our, and our, and we think of it as our individual, but actually it's like the mental landscape inside of us, that unconscious, that, that connection to the whole that we're, we're able to kind of truly, you know, there's that, there's that ego centered, you know, understanding mm-hmm. our intellectual understanding of what we, um, what we have and our limits of the limits we put around that. But then there's a deeper sense of like, um, you know, of our, of our mind or our mental continuum that is very deeply connected to rooted in the whole, the whole, the source and such. And, um, and you have, you know, I really love how on your website, people can go to anime music.com. You have like the, the, the section under about it almost like reads like a, like a poem itself because there's lots of like statements like may we're starting with may, may we remain, may we remain impassioned and fully engaged in all that we do almost like invocations you know, may we do what feeds us and cultivate divineness in our lives. May we meditate and sunbathe and share freely mm-hmm. in our merry freedoms. It's really great. And um, I think that cultivate divineness is so important to yeah. be able to, you know, sift through like almost like a gold, gold, um, what do they call it? Prospector, prospector, right? Mm-hmm. We're trying to find those nuggets in our, 
you know, it's all within ourselves and within our communities. Yeah. 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 And so, and so much is kind of designed against that. Or, you know, maybe not so much in Brooklyn, but I feel yeah. where I am, I always feel like at odds with like the dominant culture and, you know, as, so I think, yeah, the creativity stuff is so important and it's all, it, it's simple. Yeah. It's just kind of like turning yourself onto it and turning your mind that way. Um, as a practice, like throughout your day. And, you know, we all kind of get away from that. I, I do all the time and I feel like I'm not writing enough songs. I'm not seeing what I need to be seeing in order to write those songs. And, um, yeah, so it's just, it's like a constant exercise. Mm, yeah. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I think that definitely it's like the question of, we have such loaded baggage, I think, around what is divine, what is human or what is, mm. you know, like we think that these things mean specific things, but, Really, it has to do with the the what what does that mean to you? What does what does it mean to you know? What, how would you define these returning to source or or finding that purity? And what does that what is that kind of associative? Yeah, yeah. Um, finding stuff that's spiritual, and you know, usually it comes through music, or it's just kind of like a break in the the monotony, and it's again like unexpected. It it comes to you mm-hmm. at different different times and unexpected times. Um, yeah, you know, and again, like the inner and outer, you can experience it like in a sunset or um, something that you you see or absorb, um, mm. but you can also access it from yourself. And yeah, yeah. It, it's out there. It's in yeah. everyday life, and I think it's it's just turning your mind to it. And yeah, I guess yeah. I guess it's like. You know, there's the the purity of it, the purity of the or the freeness of it. We're talking about freedom and about freeness, the ability to uh, not be restricted by um, kind of these confusions or tensions, or mm-hmm. you know, the ability to kind of act or or respond in authentic truth. You know, being in a true way, which is as opposed to kind of you know, now I should be doing this or I should be doing that, and and restrictive or or feeling caught. Uh, in a kind of the emotional being slave to the emotional um, reactions or anger or whatever it is, you know, and then being able to break free of those patterns, I guess is the, would you yeah. say? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, th- I always yeah. feel like, um, you know, society is moving on this really fast train and then there's like the creative people that are like, okay, wait, we have to examine this mm-hmm. and this and this. And um, yeah, so, you know, much of lifestyle is not really, condition to doing that i feel i mean there's definitely people but um yeah it's it's always it's difficult but also really rewarding to channel that it sounds to me what it it feels like the belonging i think that's the word where it's like and i think about you know the the bonding hormone that gets released in the brain when and it happens when we are in complete presence with a moment and we feel that like, Oh, this is the right place and the right time or I belong in this place. And it also happens when we hug people yes. and when we commune with, of that. yeah. And yeah. when we commune with plants, you know, and also if you play around with um, some psychedelics, there is that <laughs> bonding hormone that, and it's, it is like all of those activities create that feeling of like, Oh, I belong. Like right. whether it's to this moment or to this person or to this community or to this creation that you've just, you know, birthed. But I think that that to me is what divine means in, in that way of the, 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 that belonging. And I think that's so important because feeling the 
opposite of that is perhaps one of the most painful things that I think a human can feel is not belonging, which brings on shame. Um, But yeah, so more hugs, Mm -hmm. more music, more communing with nature, um, more curiosity. Yeah, definitely. I would say, you know, just in regards to what you were saying that, uh, you know, we have this the tension between, you know, being a part of a tribe and the tribalism. It seems to be a major tension. Like, you know, as a one hand, we want to find our communities and we want to find our connection to the communities. But at the same time, we don't want to become slave to what we perceive, you know, that tribe to believe or, or dogmatic. Right. We want to be true to ourselves and yet connect with that, that truth in others and not kind of feel prisoner of like um, kind of what we consider tribalism. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. 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 No, yeah. Like, and I've I've felt that yeah. very distinctly in my life, um, like a need to be away from a group and a need to be in a group too at yeah. the same time. So, so as I'm going to do a few quick announcements before, and we'll give a last, uh, less comments and such. Um, Ready for Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. So we rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So to help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at readyforbrooklyn.org slash donate. Uh, as many of you already know, one of the few ways Ready for Brooklyn is able to generate, generate revenue is to keep our station on air is by offering affordable podcasting recording services to the people in the community. So if you're thinking about starting your new podcast, I uh, just want to be able to get out of your kitchen into a professional studio. Um, definitely uh, Radio for Brooklyn offers low hourly rates, which, is, which um, includes a technician. So all you need to do is show up and record. Uh, a special thank you to live listeners. We're offering an amazing discount through September 1st. So just go to the coupon code TTP when scheduling and you'll get 20% off on your first recording with us. Just go to radioforbrooklyn.org slash podcast studio. Enter your coupon code to get your discount, TTP, true to power. Uh, again, that's readyforbrooklyn.org slash podcast studio. So use that coupon code, please. And, um, uh, and also, I'll just say quickly that uh, if you're listening on the computer, you can free yourself up by listening to our apps, listening through our apps, readyforbrooklyn.org, uh, uh, looking for the iPhone store or the Google or the Android store, the Google Play store, all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, so I'll give you guys the last chance to say uh, any promotional stuff or any things you want to send people to, any uh, IG or or um, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um- yeah, I do have a new CD, and I don't have it online yet, and I'm going to put it online. Yeah. Um, but animemusic.com, anime.bandcamp, um, I'm playing a lot in Connecticut. I don't have anything scheduled in New York, but hopefully soon. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm around. I'm out there. Great, great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And Jess, you have anything you want to? Yeah, we've got some meditative writing um, courses, the uh, process of creativity and story mining with the unconscious, screenwriting, alchemy, and um, yeah, lots of other tips and tools that you can find at meditativewriting.org. Thank you. Thank you. So, Anna, why don't you play a song out? Plays out. Sure. Yeah. Be great. I listen to Truth to Power Show every Monday at 8 a.m. Uh, we have this is episode 80. So, we're, we're going our countdown to episode 100. Uh, in November 11th is scheduled right now, but definitely tune in and listen to our archives at readyforbrooklyn.org slash truth to power. Thank you.
Just running through whispers and wine flying in and out of time. And you don't know where I run. No, it's not towards you. Thank、you 